0: Hey, hey, everybody, this is Nikki Bruno with the Epic Comeback Podcast, where warrior women and men who have gone through absolute caca give you advice on getting to the other side of yours. I am super wild excited today because I have with me Adrian Boyce-Sell, is the third man ever to appear on the Epic Comeback Podcast. I cannot wait for you to hear this gentleman's story. I met him at um, the City Gala, which is a post-Oscars event uh, a couple of weeks ago after the Oscars, and somebody came to see me from across the room and said, you know, you need to you need to talk to this guy, Adrian, and I really want you to talk to him, and I'm going to make sure that the two of you have a conversation, and we did have a conversation, and here we are now on the podcast, so Adrian, I am going to, first of all, thank you so much for, for being here on my podcast.
1: I'm honored. I'm very honored and humbled. I'm really excited to do this with you.
0: I feel the same way. Awesome. So Adrian, I'm going to give you the mic to introduce yourself. I would love for you to tell us who you are, where you're from, and what keeps you busy during the day? What are you up to?
1: Oh, man. What doesn't keep me busy during the day? That's, that's the real question, I think. Um, I just I have so many things going on all at once and it's kind of part of my I wouldn't call it A D D but part of my personality is I'm the campaigner type. I love to start things and I um a lot of visionary ideas that come to my mind and I'm always sharing new stuff with my team and they're like, Oh great, another idea. Uh but I started I doing can't this, relate
0: to that at all.
1: You're right. So two thousand seven, um I had been working in a few different sales jobs previous couple of years from 05 to 07, home loans and selling cars and just getting my chops in the sales world and understanding how to work with people and understand their needs and solving problems. And I had some really good sales mentors and read a few books along the way, like Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. And that was a life-changing, you know, eye-opening book for me at such a young age. I think I read that when I was 17. And so um, I ended up starting my own business in 07, doing graphic design and printing.
0: Mm-hmm. And I was
1: printing and doing graphics for the nightlife entertainment restaurant kind of industry i was doing promotions and putting together events and bringing people to their venues and getting paid a piece of that and after doing that for about a year i just thought man there's got to be an easier way to make money than this and my mentor at the time larry told me man you have such a talent for graphics you have such an eye for art you're just gifted in this area and if you could add the printing side of the business that you've been doing you've been making good money on this could be really a huge future for you. I think you should just go all in on this and say, forget the nightlife stuff. And I'm like, okay. So I listened to, listened to my mentor, I had an open mind and I immediately started a company called California Printing in 07, late, late 07. And uh, after about two and a half years, I had over 3,000 clients. Wow, dude. I, I had pretty much dominated my local market and I was the go-to guy for printing flyers and business cards. I had my own retail storefront. And uh, it was it was an amazing, amazing journey. I learned a lot. I actually ended up selling that company uh, about three quarters of the way through 2010, almost 2011, and exited that business and then said, okay, well, now what? Because I got taken by a greedy investor who really just saw my vision for what I was doing and kind of wanted to steal the, the secret sauce and do it himself. Oh, and wow. I, got, I got pushed out of that company that I had sold him, uh, thinking that I was going to continue to run it. But uh, long story short, I ended up having to kind of re- restart and figure out what I was going to do, what direction I was going to go. And all over all those years of doing the printing and design, where I really saw there was a huge gap in the market was the content of what's the objective of this. People would just come in and like, I want a flyer. And I'm like, okay, well, what do you want your flyer to be about? And they'd be like, well, I don't know. I, I just want people to, to purchase from me. And I'm like, okay. So I was really coaching people and walking them through the process psychologically of what they needed to do to attract buyers and make people want to work with them and figuring out what their why was, what made them tick and really getting to know who they were as a person. And because I was building authentic relationships, that's the reason why I believe I got to over 3000 clients as quickly as I did. So I decided to start a marketing agency. And I took some classes with Google up in Chicago and learned the advertising side and learned a lot more about SEO and I knew you know quite a bit about SEO, but I kind of leveled up and started really educating myself and I found some mentors and started doing classes and trainings and just poured as much as I could into becoming a, a digital marketer you know digital advertiser online and that 's really what i 've been doing ever since and now i 've kind of branched off into some other areas like uh, property development so digital properties like building a lead generating website that you can rent to somebody which we have another company called lead butler that does that and then i have an online training course where i teach graphic designers that were like myself how to generate six figures so i have a bunch of basically projects that i've created and campaigns that i've created over the years of doing this to try to help other people just to creating other revenue streams
0: yeah and what i love about this is that everything that we just learned about you adrian is like it's like it's like has nothing to do with the story that we're going to be talking about today. I mean, I'm sure that there are some, I'm sure that there's some like, you know, Overlaps. But yeah, yeah. yeah. So you, you just, you sound like a super busy guy and you live in, you live in California, right?
1: Born and raised Sacramento, California. been here my whole life. I lived in Illinois for about a year, but other than that, I've been here. This is, this is hometown.
0: Sacramento. I love it. Yeah. So I'm a little South of you, so we can't just have coffee like tonight. I
1: know, right?
0: We'll meet up, we'll meet up one of these days.
1: I um, don't think I'm gonna be here permanently to be honest. I think I'll end up yeah. moving moving either Southern California San Diego or if not I'll be out of California probably like Nashville or something
0: okay all right well those th- San Diego and Nashville those are two pretty good choices
1: yeah pretty definitely pretty choices.
0: all right, yeah. so as you know adrian this is a this is a and, and as my listeners know, this is a podcast by and for um women and men who have gone through a life shattering experience. And you've told me about your life shattering experience. And this is, this is what I'm, I'm um, excited to share with everyone today. Cause it's this, boy, is it a story. So could you summarize for us, keeping in mind that this is a shorter, sort of like a yeah. ideally 15 minute or so minute podcast. Could you right. summarize for us what you went through um, and what was the worst part of the just absolute caca that you went through?
1: Man, you know, coming from a broken family, I had, you know, they say that your, vo- your voids become your value. So I really valued family as a kid growing up, you know, watching my grandfather pass away, who raised me for the first, first four years of my life, like right in front of me, to living with my grandmother, to living with my dad, then back with my grandmother, and just having a broken home when I became an adult. And I knew that I was going to start a family. The last thing I wanted was to do the same thing to my children, and the same thing with my family is to come from that. And I ended up getting married in 2014. And less than two years into my marriage, found out that uh, somebody was being unfaithful, and I kind of called it out. I had discovered it uh, one evening when she said she was at her parents, and she wasn't at her parents. And next thing I know, I find out that she was, you know, hooked to, hooked to drugs. And we had a kid together, and um, even though he wasn't mine biologically, when I met, met her, he was only three weeks old but I raised him for the first six years of his life. And the last two years from four until six, it was completely alone. And uh, she had taken him from me in the very beginning when we first split and then gave him back to me and then taken him from me again. And then finally called me and said, you know what? I wasn't meant to be a parent. You're, you're the reliable one. I want you to take care of him and signed over all her rights to me. And I thought, well, this is the, this is the last of hers. I'm going to live my life with my boy and she'll go off and do whatever she wants to do. And, you know, she's, she's the one that's missing out. And then uh, she got into a car accident with her and her boyfriend. They lost a child in that accident uh, for whatever the reason was. I don't know. And it was really unfortunate. And for some reason, she decided that she wanted to change things. And instead of telling me and communicating and talking to me, she just randomly showed up at his school one day. And I went to go pick him up from school. And the teacher gave me this sideways look like, what are you doing here? And i said i'm here to get joseph and she said somebody already picked him up and i said what do you mean somebody already picked him up i'm the only one that ever picks him up and so i called my girlfriend at the time and i said did you pick up joseph and she's like uh no and i'm like i'm calling the cops so i immediately ran upstairs to the office called the cops they had no idea who gave them to her who they gave them to didn't have a they didn't check ids they didn't have it was just a scribble on a piece of paper for the signature of the sign out yeah. and i was just it was the, literally the worst moment of my whole life it was I mean, shattered. I was shattered into a million pieces. It was incredibly traumatic. And uh, I had no idea where he was, who he was with. And I started calling her, you know, my ex, his mom, to think maybe it's her. And then they pulled the camera footage when the cops showed up. And sure enough, it was her and her boyfriend with his hat down like this and his sunglasses on and her. I mean, they just looked totally wrecked. And we immediately knew who it was. So they tracked, ended up tracking them down after seven hours. It took them to find them. And they found them. I thankfully I I got him back late that night but we were all devastated it was just a really hard experience man and and it it just ensued from there on it was just a legal battle back and forth they went to jail for conspiracy and kidnapping and uh district attorney didn't really want to do anything because she was the biological mom and I was just this dad that had been there his whole life but I wasn't biologically related and Mm -hmm. it was just a complicated mess and I fought a year-long battle on top of trying to build my business and take care of my family and having another child in the process it was it was a lot it was really overwhelming it was almost it almost took me that's for sure
0: wow and wow and wow yeah. i have so many questions the, the first one that i wanted to ask how old was joseph when this happened when he was kidnapped basically by his mother at school
1: five years old
0: oh he was five at this point
1: he was kindergarten wow. and he was terrified to go back to that school he's like please don't let them pick me up again please don't let me in. I almost had to take him to a different school. He didn't go back to school for two weeks after that. Wow. It was really traumatizing.
0: Absolutely. For him, for you, I imagine for your girlfriend. Oh uh, yeah. yeah. All of you. Yeah. So what was kind of the, is this ongoing today or what was kind of the end game?
1: So the end, the end game for her was just to get him back and she was going to do whatever she could and whatever she would say, whatever she could say to to make sure that that was going to happen. And, um, you know, in California, unfortunately, they always side with the mom and that's, that's just, it is what it is. And me not having biological, you know, connection to him, they, they preferred her. So over a period of a year of fighting in court, uh, they granted her visitation unsupervised and then more visitation and then overnights and they I just kept losing and I kept racking up this $30,000 attorney bill just kept getting higher and higher and I right. just kept losing ground and losing ground and every single time I would go to court I would put my heart on the line I would be honest and my attorney was a missionary he's I mean he's an amazing guy and he's like just be honest tell him you're tell him what you've done show Joseph is in an, an amazing school show that he's playing sports like just just be honest and tell him the good the bad and everything so I was completely honest throughout the whole entire thing didn't have to lie or manipulate or cheat and her entire motive and approach through the entire time with her attorney was to lie and deny everything. Oh, I never signed my rights. Oh, that's not my form. Oh, I never made that post on Facebook saying that I gave up my son. I never made this email. I never sent that text message. I never did all. He hacked my Facebook. He hacked my email. He hacked this. And she just lied her way through the entire thing. And they ended up giving, they removed my guardianship from me and gave her guardianship uh, or gave her her rights back. And then it was basically, we're supposed to have a 50-50 split, but just after all the trauma that had happened with my wife and uh, the drama with her, my my ex's parents came and started a bunch of drama at my house and cops called and just a year of just like absolute nightmare. Mm -hmm. We just said enough is enough. And she, my son started acting out towards my baby we both had babies within two weeks of each other my ex-wife and my new wife
0: mm-hmm. our babies
1: were two weeks apart and he started acting out towards his mom's baby and mm-hmm. doing some things that were very dangerous and so i said you need to keep him for now he needs to get help i'll, I'll whatever you need from me i'll be there i'll support but I, I can't have him at my house putting my other baby in danger it's just too this is too serious we've gone through too much we're, we're, we're tapped out And so I was supposed to be able to remain in contact with her, but she doesn't answer my calls, just completely has blown me off. And so it's been, February was a year that I've actually seen him. I haven't seen him in a year.
0: So it's been a year since you saw Joseph. Mm -hmm. Uh And, And at this point, you have no legal right to see him. Is that the case?
1: I think I have a legal right in terms of some sort of level of visitation, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, just the way the judge kind of set it up, but I have no guardianship anymore. They completely took that away from me and gave it to her when she's a proven track record of all kinds of offenses. And I have none.
0: (laughs) Jeez. Um, so, you know, the next, (laughs) thank you for sharing all of that, Adrian, first of all, um, I'm sitting here listening to what you're saying and I'm having all of these emotions as I'm sure, as I'm sure anyone listening is right now. Yeah. Um, and the next question that I usually ask on this podcast is like, what is, what's the best thing about being on the other side of this? Um, and it sounds like it's a situation that, I mean, a traumatic situation doesn't just go away. Right. I mean, our relation to our relationship to what we've gone through kind of changes over time, but let me, let me start just by asking you, like, do you feel like you've come to the other side of the trauma that you've, that you've come through?
1: Yeah, I, I think that I've come to the other side of the trauma now. I've had enough time to heal. And this last year has been, you know, I I'm, mean, I'm deep in my faith. And, and that has been a big area that I cast those burdens off and don't hold on. And, and forgiveness was a big part of that, is forgiving her for all of the things that she said about me in court and did and trauma she put me through. And, and for most of it, for me, it was, was what she did to Joseph. Uh, sure. for all those for all those years because it, it started not just the last couple of years with that whole kidnapping thing I mean she was neglecting him his entire life his entire he would be in his in his bedroom until one o'clock in the afternoon twelve didn't eat anything smearing stuff on the walls I mean he was completely neglected while I was gone all day providing for our family and a lot of that stuff was hidden so he just wasn't being taken care of so I feel like she has come to a different place in her life and so I, I want to give her I mean she's his mom and the last thing I wanted was for him not to have a relationship with for, with his mom. So you know, on one side of it, I, I have to try to find the good in all of it, even though for me personally, it sucks because I don't get to see him. I don't get to be with him. I don't get to talk to him. And uh, it probably won't happen until he's at least 12 or 13 years old when he can start to try, start making his own decisions. But right. I know because of the foundation that I laid with him and how much love I showed him and what I did, that he's going to be coming back around. So it's just a season that I'm going to have to just be patient and know You know, we wander you know, how long did did abraham wander through the desert and moses wandered through the desert i mean it's just it's part of the game life god doesn't promise a life without suffering and it's been suffering for the last couple of years but uh time has helped heal a lot of those those wounds and there's still some there i know there's still some work i gotta do but yeah um, I, my wife is in a better place now she underwent a lot of trauma i mean people hacking and trying to like get into our, her conversations in private groups and use things against her and it was just a constant attack You know, and so now we've had just kind of like a year of peace and we've been able to kind of like regain our strength and get our perspectives right and kind of get our head right and recover from, you know, Mm -hmm. my wife had a traumatic birth with our daughter. So it was just, there was a lot going on all at the same time while I'm trying to build a, you know, seven figure marketing agency in the business and provide for my family. You know, it's like, holy moly, I thought you said you were going to give me more than I can handle. You must think uh, very highly of me or something
0: because
1: I don't think I can handle any more than this
0: yikes so okay so then let me let me ask the second part what is the best thing about being where you are now you've had a year um you know i i'm relating to this personally because when i came out on the other end of uh of my divorce i took a year and i wanted i wanted that year to be as mundane and normal and boring as possible (laughs) i was like i want to take my kids to school i want to brush my teeth and that's about it (laughs) You know, what's the best thing about where you are now?
1: Where I am now is this last year, I've been able to really focus because I I was pouring so much energy into my son while just trying to basically just get by with the business. Right. And now that I have my wife, she's taking care of the baby and I help, I've I've actually had the blessing of being able to be home about three days a week, Mm -hmm. sometimes four days a week and working from home and you know, splitting that time at my offices. So I've had a lot of time to be at home with my baby and spend time watching her grow, but then I've also been able to put more effort and energy into my business, and that has had extreme growth. It has it helped with extreme growth in a lot of different areas. I'm able to manage my time better, and so that has been a big... A big help is being able to focus on my business more and not have to focus on spending two or three days a month in court and dealing with lawyers and all the stress. It's taken a lot of the stress off of me and it's opened me up to be able to focus on what my mission is, what my actual calling and purpose is on life. It wasn't to, to go to court and fight and do all that. So it's, I think it's helped me um, see things, the mistakes that I made along the way because I was by no means a perfect dad doing it by myself and running a business and trying to trying to date and figure out how to navigate through those waters without any anybody, you know, to support me. And so I learned a lot of things, made a lot of mistakes and I know what works and what doesn't and what where I really fell short and taking responsibility for some of the things that I, I didn't do. So I think I grew a lot from the whole experience, which is why we go through these these periods of suffering and periods of of pain, you know, of pain is to to help us grow and just become stronger and better. But what an I,
0: amazing perspective. Yeah. Uh, yeah. A lot of growth, a lot of learning and shit. wisdom. I mean, wisdom comes from experience. You've had a lot of, you've had a lot of opportunity to become wise over the last several years.
1: Some by choice, by my own doing, and some just out of my control that I've had to just right. hold on, literally hold on to the Bible and just pray through it. I mean, there's, that's the only way to get through it most of the time with a lot of those situations that were going on a year, year or so ago.
0: Yeah. I want to ask you, you mentioned that you you mentioned at one point talking about a mentor that you had, who are some other like just warriors like you, you know, I've, I have found that, that people who've gone through really tough stuff and have come out on the other end tend to find each other, you know, I mean, this is definitely true, true among the women that I've, um, the women and other two men who I've had on this podcast. So is there anyone else that you might want to mention, you know, who would be a great guest on this podcast? you know, Someone who has inspired you along the way that has that epic comeback story who, you know, maybe I could get in touch with.
1: Yeah, you know, I I could probably name about three or four. But the ones that come to my mind first that I think are the most important is my mentor, Larry, who uh, he's in real estate. He owned he owned a bar. That's how I met him he was my first client that I designed flyers for. He's paying like $30 to design a double-sided flyer, which just a couple of years later, I was charging 175, you know, just a huge transformation. Right. So he really took me under my wing, under his wing and guided me and coached me and mentored me and introduced me to a lot of people. And he's actually got properties in North Carolina and he's really starting to, you know, grow his real estate business, as Airbnbs and has just been a really great influence on my whole life. And even during my darkest times, he's picked me back up and be like, dude, you're a smart kid. I'm proud of you. Just keep going, you know, and, and he's been a huge piece, but the other one would be my business partner on tag talks. And that's Raul Lopez. Mm -hmm. Um, That man has had one of the most incredible lives in terms of just the amount of adversity that he's faced and where he is today and who he is today. Uh, I think he spent like eight or 10 years, maybe even up to 12 years in prison total in his life. And he had his first child at 13 years old came from a broken family in in the Bay Area a lot I think like middle like Los Angeles Bay Area I can't remember the exact area that he grew up in but you know got incarcerated at like 15 and then again at 18 and then ended up doing a long stretch from like 19 to like 26 or something like that so spent a lot of time behind bars and he, he took that time to grow to learn got out started doing psychology classes at a college and started becoming more educated and started him with the, himself with the right people and then got into you know entrepreneurship and business and his story is just absolutely incredible and i want to let him tell it if he gets the opportunity but he uh-huh. he came to me with a vision of tag talks you know he's a big believer too with tag talks live and what he wanted to do with it and his he actually does a lot of prison work That's it's like what really really got to me is he goes into prisons and helps youth like young kids and even ju- you know juvenile detention facilities and stuff like that and, and speaks to them and lifts them up and encourages them and you know just speaks life into them and that was a calling i mean that's my life purpose i'm here on this earth to help restore broken families and help at-risk youth and there's no more at-risk youth than a kid that's literally sitting in jail so he he has a, a vision and a thing that he's been doing now for probably 15 20 years of helping all these kids get their lives, you know, turned around. And Mm -hmm. he wrote a book called Heal the Boy and the Man Will Appear and Tag Talks. And he's just doing so many great things. So he's definitely somebody that I would highly recommend. Awesome. Yeah.
0: That's
1: so great.
0: So great. So really the essence of this podcast, Adrian, is what I'm about to ask you right now, which is based on what you've gone through and based on what you know to Mm -hmm. be true, what is one piece of advice that you would give to people who are going through absolute, crisis caca muck right now on how to like how to get to the other side you've mentioned that your spirituality has been central to you um anything you know anything including that and in addition to that just a few pieces of advice of things that you would say like i'm giving you the mic right now and you're speaking to you know to my listeners who are um people women for the most part who are going through a life-shattering, a life-shattering experience right now?
1: Yep. I, I think that the first piece that comes to mind, and this is just where my heart is, is that uh, when you're going through traumatic situations and just any negative situation in general, it's, it's really easy to get caught up in our own selves and, and, and go internally. And we have to get outside of ourselves and just remember that we are loved. No matter what, how we feel, no matter what people say, negative things are going on behind us, what mistakes we made, that we're still loved and we're still valued. We have a creator. We're regardless of who, what belief system you have, we have a creator and we are loved by them and that we are strong enough. I think that is the biggest thing is they don't think that they're strong enough. I really feel like there's, there's a power inside of you that you haven't even realized yet because when you're tested and you put, put to your extremes, you can get through it. You absolutely can. There's, there's nothing that can beat you other than yourself. And I think that's, that's something you got to remember is you're your own, your own biggest, biggest enemy or your own biggest, you know, uh, obstacle and you are strong enough. Absolutely.
0: That's huge. That's Mm -hmm. huge. And I agree with you completely going through a traumatic experience when not only are you, you just don't know how you're going to get through it. And then there are those moments when you don't know if you're going to get through it. And yep. just that experience of like taking the next step and yep. then the next step and then the next step and time going by I, to me, to me that helps prove to us that we're, that we are warriors somehow. Yep. Somehow. Absolutely. Even just getting through.
1: Just getting through it is exactly, that's exactly my point. Yep. <laughs> yep. Yep.
0: Well, I'm going to ask you uh, what may seem like a random question, but this podcast is all about being epic. So what I want to know for you, Adrian, is if you could have any superpower that you don't already have, what would it be?
1: Oh man, what a great question that I don't already have. Yeah. Because we all have uh,
0: superpowers and I know you do.
1: I, I think, I mean, I think an actual, like an actual superpower
0: and he's, yeah, like it could be, it could be something that's, you know, like a lot of people say I would, I would be able to fly. Like it could that's be.
1: Exactly. That's probably my, that's probably my one I've dreamed. I've had dreams, reoccurring dreams my whole life of flying. That's, that's literally my, one of my biggest, biggest dreams is, is flying. Yep.
0: There you go. That's awesome. Yep. yep. Well, Adrian, a huge, huge thank you to you for being my guest, for sharing your story, for sharing your wisdom and for providing inspiration to our listeners what now i want to ask you where can we find you online because i know you it sounds at this point i don't even know how many businesses you have but where would you where would you most want us to uh, to find you and follow you
1: so the easiest thing is going to be is if you're a business owner then probably hit me up on linkedin a-d-r-i-a-n-b-o-y-s-e-l adrian boysell you can look me up there if you're on instagram you can just do at mr boysell and that's I use the Mr. because one of my mentors told me when I was a kid, he goes, always remember that you're Mr. Cell. You may (laughs) look young. You may be a small, small, short guy. Because back then I was even, I was a tiny little guy. I was like five foot six. I'm like 5'11 now. I didn't hit my growth spurt, but he's like, always remember you're Mr. Cell. So I've used that ever since, just as a, as a subconscious reminder that I'm Mr. Boy and I'm not small. And that's, that's one of my keynotes that I do is how to go from feeling small and insignificant to feeling like a Titan. And that's one of my one of my talks. So I think it's important that people have that mindset that they start to shift from feeling insignificant and small to feeling like a Titan just for surviving. So. That's good
0: stuff. You didn't mention that you're a speaker, too. I mean, oh, yeah. I, I, we could have figured that. I could have figured that out. <laughs> I kind of already knew that. But yeah, yeah. that is awesome. Yeah. Um, so this is Nikki Bruno with Adrian Boissel, Mr. Adrian Boissel on the Epic Comeback Podcast. For more information about how to stage an epic comeback in your life after a life-shattering experience, please go to theepiccomeback.com.